0: Blog Talk Radio. happy friday everybody welcome to the michael cutler hour i am your host appropriately enough michael cutler it is october the 6th 2017 autumn is upon us um, and the beat goes on i thank you so much for joining me at the end of the week so that we can play that inevitable game of catch up and there is indeed as always much to catch up on Uh, those of you who are familiar with me you know that i'm a former senior special agent with the old ins the immigration and naturalization service an agency that was disbanded chopped into little pieces uh, largely rendered ineffective by the george w bush administration even in the wake of the terror attacks of 9-11 and it was the one-two punch between what bush did and um Creating What he called the Department of Homeland Security. I came to call the Home, Department of Homeland Surrender. Uh, but the second punch and an even more damaging punch was uh, uh, created by the Obama administration, where border security, immigration law enforcement became <clears throat> the anathema of that agency. But all, all uh, facts be known. Both political parties, leaning in the direction of globalism, have been determined to dismantle America's borders, deprive America its sovereignty as an independent nation. Uh, You know, we certainly live in a global world, global economy. Within 24 hours, we could probably get to almost any corner of this planet uh, using jet airplanes and so forth, airliners. But in reality, as much as we're interconnected with the rest of the world, our borders still matter. In a very real sense, as the 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, pointed out, border security is national security. So my program uh, has uh, the focus of providing the information that the mainstream media refuses to provide where the true significance of our borders and our immigration laws are concerned. And in order to provide the information, I call upon ongoing facts, the publicly available information, and also my 30 years of experience working for the former INS. So I hope this is helpful to you. And if you find this to be helpful, if you find that this gives you a far better understanding of what is really going on, then you can get uh, in what President Trump has come to call the fake news, that I have a request. Please, please, please tell all of your friends and neighbors and family members and coworkers, everyone you could think of, about my program, The Michael Cutler Hour. You're listening to it right now. Please uh, pass along my website to as many folks as you can. It's Michael Cutler, one word, C-U-T-L-E-R, MichaelCutler.net. And I also want to remind you the websites that I write for routinely, starting with capsweb.org, Californians for Population Stabilization. I know it says California, and you might be living somewhere else. Perhaps you're a New Yorker, as I am. Doesn't matter. What is happening in California impacts the whole country. And as goes California, so goes the rest of America. The same thing could be true for all of our states. Our states are certainly interconnected, and when criminals and terrorists are able to embed themselves in sanctuary cities and now sanctuary state of California, this undermines public safety and national security, certainly for those hapless uh, people living in California and the other sanctuary cities and states, but terrorists and criminals can also use those so-called sanctuaries as staging areas for crimes they commit around the country and that is something that we must all understand that when a state harbors and shields criminals and terrorists they become magnets for those criminals and terrorists we saw it in the tragic murder of kate steinley the dirt bank who killed her um, had been deported numerous times and told police yeah i went back to san francisco because i knew." that i didn't have to worry about being here illegally this is the way americans are getting killed you know what happened in las vegas sickened me um i don't even know what to say it left me speechless Uh, it was emotional to see what happened it was also emotional to hear what a dirtbag lawyer who had worked for cbs said that these people weren't worthy of sympathy because they like country music and apparently if you like country music, you're a gun-toting Republican, or Repug, as she referred to fellow Americans. You know, if you want to talk about, it, about a radicalization process, by the way, uh, this woman went to Columbia University and other bastions of quote-unquote liberalism. Well, I thought I was a liberal. I'm a registered Democrat. This isn't liberalism, folks. This is hatred of America and Americans. It really is. I don't understand how a lawyer who should be well-versed in the Constitution, should be well-versed in the First and Second Amendments, freedom of speech, and um, the issue of firearms, could turn logic and law and the Constitution on its ear and make this dastardly proclamation that the people killed were not worthy of sympathy. Really? Gracious. Uh, you know, I, I had more respect for the lives of people I arrested who had criminal convictions than that lawyer apparently has for fellow Americans who were gunned down. So, you know, when I hear this nonsense, when I see this nonsense of safe spaces on college campuses, I really feel that we need to speak out. We need to get our voices heard. This business of censorship isn't about political correctness. It's uh, Orwellian. It's about um, Censoring the words so you can censor thoughts. Control of language leads to thought control. Read George Orwell. Read 1984. This is straight out of Newspeak, straight out of the Ministry of Truth. And we really need to resist this. Uh, One of the hallmarks of a democracy is freedom of speech. Without freedom of speech, democracy is impossible. We have a Second Amendment right to carry firearms with obviously certain Um, restrictions common sense restrictions and however we feel about the second amendment the restrictions all of that i find it beyond anything i could comprehend that an apparently educated woman and i would remind you not working in the file room but working as a senior counsel to a major television radio network in america cbs what used to be known as the Tiffany Station, the home of Walter Cronkite and some other truly great journalists. Um, Mike Wallace, who I had the privilege of speaking with numerous times. You really have to wonder what Mike Wallace would say about that. Um, So when I listen to this nonsense being spewed, it's worse than nonsense. It's disgusting. It's outrageous. We have factions of Americans who've been radicalized, and I'd love to know how we allow that to happen. I really and truly would love to know how that would happen. So I I know I digress, but that's the reason for this program. That is why ever since 9-11, I have taken it upon myself to attempt to wake up as many of our fellow Americans and as many of our alleged leaders as possible, because we're being sold down the drain by the globalists who don't give a damn about innocent lives, don't give a damn about American working families, All they care about is money they can shovel into their bank accounts. This is a level of greed that I never thought that I would ever see in my own country. It horrifies me, it infuriates me, and we need to stand up. If you are a parent, if you are a grandparent, think of your children, think of your grandchildren. What country, what world, what way of life will they inherit from us if we allow this crap to continue? It's got to stop. It really has to stop. And this isn't about being conservative or liberal. It's about being American. It's about being moral. It's about having compassion. It's about being rational. And boy, oh boy, you would think that this should be common sense, but not so much today. The rational thought process has left us completely. So that is why I've been writing for capsweb.org for a number of years I'm uh, honored also to be a columnist for frontpagemag.com, frontpage magazine, published by the David Horowitz Freedom Center. I also write for the social contract. In point of fact, there is a quarterly, the fall quarterly is coming out. I have an article scheduled to be published in that fall quarterly. Uh, and the tentative title, and I say tentative because anybody familiar with the writing process when you write professionally, you deal with publishers and editors, and sometimes they change things around. But I will tell you that the social contract has been excellent. They change almost nothing that I write unless they catch the occasional uh, run-on sentence. I'm, I've been guilty of those since <laughs> junior high school or, or a misspell or, or, or you know, punctuation issue. But the title, and I hope they keep my title, was The Road to Tyranny is Paved with Words Lost to Censorship particularly apropos, uh, given the topic that I was just uh, talking about. So please understand, this is not about political correctness. Political correctness, to my thinking and perhaps to yours as well, means that under no circumstances um, is the kind of language such as the N-word or other words of hatred ever acceptable. Any words that insult, humiliate, denigrate, impugn other human beings, needs to be expunged from the language and because of this orwellian use of language control the term alien is now uh, seen by many as an example of terrible way of describing other people and you might think that the people who take that position are legitimate in their concerns i mean you know goodness the word alien it's terrible it's horrible they've all told us this repeatedly going back to jimmy carter but what's remarkable, and I'm willing to bet some of you, especially if you're new to my program, may not know, is that when we hear about the dreamers, you know, the supposed young illegal aliens. Yes, I use the word alien. It's a legal term. Legally, it simply means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. In fact, the definition for that term that appears in the Immigration and Nationality Act the uh, compendium of laws that I spent my entire, well, almost my entire adult life, at least 30 years of it, enforcing it, administering. No insult. But the so-called DREAMers, well, guess what? It's an acronym. And the A in DREAMers is that dreaded word alien, alien minors. So the same people that scream, don't you dare say anyone is illegal, don't you dare say anyone is an alien, they suddenly found the word alien to be palatable, desirable, when they could cynically link it to the American dream, a dream that seems to apply to fewer and fewer Americans each and every day because of the push for globalism. Johnny Cochran, the brilliant defense attorney who saved O.J.'s butt, as far as I was concerned, during the trials for the murders of which, for which he was accused, said if you can't trust the messenger you can't trust the message how in the world do you trust hypocrites people who on the one hand scream at the top of their lungs don't you dare use the word alien and then gleefully willingly joyfully use it when they can somehow conjure up the image of the american dream for aliens who shouldn't even be in the country in the first place Doesn't that tell you all that you need to know about the credibility of the open borders, immigration anarchists? They're not pro-immigrant. And taking a position of being pro-enforcement is not anti-immigrant, it's pro-enforcement. But this goes back to the twisting of the English language, turning logic on its ear, and influencing the thought process. I'll have more to say about it when my article is published in The Social Contract, but uh, Meanwhile, what I would like you to do when uh, you're done listening to my program, check out my website, check out my articles at page, capsweb.org, the social contract. I also write on occasion for Newsmax. Uh, They've been generous with their time. I've done quite a few uh, interviews on their television programs as well. But this is about getting the truth out there. And the truth is so elusive today, isn't it? Isn't it? Now, this past week, and I have an article that I just wrote for Front Page Mag. I'm hopeful that it will be out in the next couple of days. We'll see. But uh, anyway, I submitted it for their approval. But it addresses this issue of two OIG reports. Those of you not familiar with the alphabet soup of government, OIG is Office of Inspector General. Uh, In some police departments, it's referred to as internal affairs. It's about integrity issues. So we have two articles that I, I want to discuss with you. The first article, and this is a report that was issued by the Office of Inspector General for the Department of Homeland Security. Here's the title: CBP, and that, by the way, is Customs and Border Border Protection, not boredom protection. <laughs> I hope you need don't need boredom protection with this program, but it's Customs and Border Protection's IT. Uh, Those are the computer folks. IT systems and infrastructure did not fully support border security operations. Just stop and think. President Trump rightfully is calling for what he calls extreme vetting. I'm still trying to figure out what extreme vetting is. It's a a catchy phrase, but it needs to be more than a catchy phrase. And right now, I I would actually settle for consistent vetting, uh, vetting with some integrity, because it's all lacking. And therein lies the problem. So let me, let me read to you the summary, what we found. This, these are the investigators who, are, um, who, who comprise the Office of Inspector General. They do the inspections, you see. And here, here's the quote. CBP's IT systems and infrastructure did not fully support its border security objective of preventing the entry of inadmissible aliens to the country. The slow performance of a critical pre-screening system greatly reduced Office of Field Operations officers' ability to identify any passengers, that is to say people coming in at international airports or on vehicles or boats, who may represent concerns, including national security threats. Further, incoming passenger screening at U.S. international airports was hampered By frequent system outages that created passenger delays and public safety risks. The outages required that CBP officers rely on backup systems that weakened the screening process, leading to officers potentially being unable to identify travelers who may be attempting to enter the United States with harmful intent. Think about what I just read to you. We have a serious problem. With the databases, the computers that the inspectors at ports of entry are supposed to refer to when making a decision as to whether or not to allow an alien into the United States or whether or not to hold an American citizen for arrest by another law enforcement agency. For the first four years of my career with the old Immigration and Naturalization Service, way back in the 70s, we did not have computers that started to come online Around the time that I was promoted and became a senior, became a special agent with the INS. Ultimately, I was promoted to the position of senior special agent assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. But from 1971 until 1975, we used to use a, a book. It was called The Lookout Book. And any alien known to our authorities for being a problem was posted. So if someone was a known terrorist or a criminal the FBI wanted to know if this person attempted entry or perhaps if local police was looking for a person who had committed a felony, wanted for a murder or an armed robbery. We had the information so we could notify the appropriate agency to fly blind in this era is the stuff of my nightmares. The nine 11 commission made it clear that border security is a, an in, in, in integral part of our war on terror to protect Americans from the entry of terrorists. Please realize that almost all of the terrorists, and not just the 9-11 hijackers, but many others, if you want to talk about the Tsarnaev brothers who carried out the Boston attack, if you want to look at San Bernardino, if you want to talk about Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, these people were all admitted into the United States to reports of entry. If the inspectors at the ports of entry can't get reliable real-time data and wind up allowing people into the country who have other than um, lawful purposes and intentions for coming here, then we're creating the potential for another terror attack. It's that simple. It's that significant. And that's why when I hear about sanctuary cities and sanctuary states like California saying, oh, we don't care how you come here. If you run the border, that's fine. You entered undocumented. No, they didn't enter undocumented. That is Orwellian. They entered without inspection. And why would you enter without inspection? Because you knew that you could not come through the front door. Maybe it was simply that the alien didn't have any money, so everyone knows that probably he or she was coming here to work illegally. That's a problem. That's a problem in and of itself. We're losing hundreds of billions of dollars a year to foreign workers, both legal and illegal, who send money home. They also deprive Americans jobs. It suppresses the wages because you flood the labor pool with workers. Labor is a commodity. Flood the the marketplace with a commodity and drive down the value of the commodity. We are driving down the value of wages and corporations do cartwheels over this. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce would love to flood america totally they see our borders as an impediment to their wealth and i've often said that as long as the u.s chamber of commerce and their partners such as the discover america partnership the hotel hospitality travel and manufacturing associations as long as they are more fixated on head counts on airliners than body counts in the morgue nothing is going to change for the better it will only change for the worse so understand the problem that we have but the reality is that by leaving those doors open we are forcing to have to make a decision they can't have people sitting there for for 10 hours they might have a connecting floor. what do you do what do you do so the pressure is on and believe me i was an inspector i know what the pressure is like i had supervisors who would sit behind you with a stopwatch some of them And come back to you at the end of a shift or at the end of a couple of hours and say, you know, Mr. Cutler, it took you a minute and 21 seconds to inspect the average passenger. And by God, I want it cut to a minute or less. This is Lucy at the bonbon Factory on steroids. Or maybe the better uh, image, if you remember the old uh, TV shows like Ed Sullivan, where they had the guy with the spinning plates. And I like that analogy perhaps a bit better. Because if you didn't keep up with all those spinning plates, the plates fell and broke. When there's a screw-up by that inspector, it's lives that are lost, that are shattered. So those shattering plates are a great metaphor for shattered lives and shattered families because lives hang in the balance. To give you an idea about just how significant that process is at the ports of entry, the mission of CBP that the sanctuary city mayors and sanctuary state governors flip the bird out. Oh, we're not going to cooperate with those evil immigration people. No, no, no. God forbid they should keep out drug dealers and terrorists and gangbangers. Hell, we need those people, right? Wink, wink. Are you kidding me? So let me read this to you. This is background uh, information provided in that report. It's really an important report for you to read. So here we go. U.S. Customs and Border Protection, CBP, the frontline border protection agency within the Department of Homeland Security, is responsible for securing the U.S. borders and facilitating lawful international travel and trade. CBP plays a crucial role in enforcing laws and regulations related to immigration and border security, intercepting malicious criminals and materials, and maintaining domain awareness to prevent terrorist attacks. CBP is one of the world's largest law enforcement organizations with 60,000 officers, agents, and support personnel nationwide. In fiscal year 2017, CBP's total budget was approximately $13 billion, accounting for 21% of DHS's total budget of approximately 66.8 billion dollars according to CBP on a typical day its employees process more than 1 million passengers and pedestrians process more than 280,000 incoming vehicles conduct more than 1,100 border apprehensions that's the border patrol and also inspectors at ports of entry by the way Arrest more than 20 wanted criminals at ports of entry. There you go. Refuse entry of more than 750 inadmissible persons and conduct more than 290 hours of air and sea enforcement missions. CBP's primary enforcement mission at ports of entry is to confirm eligible travelers and exclude inadmissible foreign nationals from entering the United States. CBP takes a comprehensive approach to safeguarding the border by combining customs, immigration, and border security into one coordinated effort. This border security mission is accomplished by officers and agents located within the three CBP offices, and then they list border patrol, the inspectors, and so forth. Understand the workload, understand the nature of the mission, which is nothing short of national security. Nothing short of national security. In fact, the airplane that was hijacked on 9-11 that went down in Pennsylvania had one fewer hijacker than the other planes. A couple of would-be hijackers, the investigation conducted by the 9-11 Commission determined, were unable to enter the United States through ports of entry, which might account for for the fact that that one plane had one hijacker fewer than the other three airplanes. God only knows if there had been another hijacker on board that airplane. Perhaps the passengers would not have been able to overpower the hijackers to bring it down uh, in a field in Pennsylvania, and it might have gone on to hit the Capitol or the White House. We can't ever know that. But that's how critical it is. You know, after 9-11, we were constantly told that terrorists only have to get it right once, but for America to be safe, law enforcement and the intelligence services need to be right 100% of the time. So every time that the computer goes down at the airport, every time that an inspector has no alternative but to admit a foreign national into the United States, the potential exists that the terrorists may have been handed that one opportunity that they're looking for to get it right. This is asymmetrical warfare. And what does that mean? It means that because terrorists know they can't attack the U S military, very, I mean, the idea that any country could win against our military, uh, not likely. We have the best, the brightest, the most valiant, and the best equipped military Uh, in spite of Mr. Obama's efforts to defund the military and demoralize it in my judgment however terrorists do know that they can um, employ basically guerrilla tactics attacking us from within our country through sabotage through murder using vehicles using knives using whatever is possible you see and on nine eleven. Nineteen young men, barely out of their teens, inflicted more casualties on the United States of America than did the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. That should give everybody cause for pause. One piece of trash in Las Vegas. Look what he did. Look what he did. Look what happened in San Bernardino because of that garbage couple killed uh, their former coworkers. look at the Tsarnaev brothers and what they did to the Boston Marathon it doesn't take a lot of people to rack up huge casualties cause pain suffering trauma for the whole country so every time somebody is admitted into the United States and the system breaks down the potential is there that another terrorist will gain entry to our country This couldn't be more serious than it is. And yet the sanctuary mayors and the sanctuary governors are saying, oh, we're defending these poor immigrants from immigration authorities. Now, this is how twisting the language works. Immigrants who are here legally need no protection from immigration authorities. It's immigration authorities who let them in. Think about that. When I was an inspector at John F. Kennedy International Airport for those four years, I can assure you that the ratio of aliens who I admitted into the country as compared to those who I denied entry, well, that, the number that, that I denied entry to was minuscule. One in 100, maybe one in 200. Most people, I was happy to admit them. I sincerely enjoyed seeing their smiling faces, wish them a great visit. And away they went. Immigration is not the enemy of lawful immigrants. It's immigration authorities who provide aliens with green cards, political asylum, even United States citizenship. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And I spent the years in the adjudications officer doing the marriage interviews. And yes, I uncovered fraud. uh, In some cases, criminals. In some cases, uh, all sorts of things. We even uncovered a marriage fraud ring kind of wacky. It involved Chinese crewmen who were getting married to, to Puerto Rican lesbian prostitutes here in New York. The Chinese-American attorney uh, was making all the arrangements. And because of that case, I wound up uh, finding myself on the witness stand in federal court for the very first time. I was in my mid-20s. Uh, it was an interesting experience. Of course, that would be the first of many, many, many times that I would ultimately testify before various trials, proceedings, um, whether at immigration court, federal court, state court. Um, Agents spend a lot of time on the witness stand, providing evidence that they gather during the course of their investigations. I used to argue bail for the U.S. attorneys I worked with. But the very first time that I found myself in court as a witness was in a case involving a marriage fraud ring. So this is critical stuff. But let me tell you, I gladly approved many more green cards than I denied. The immigration employees don't see the aliens as an adversary or enemy, only those who are violating the law. That's what this is about, legal versus illegal. So, of course, we're told, oh, you can't use the word illegal. Really? You know, it's funny. A couple of years ago, right after the summer had ended, Labor Day weekend had come and gone, And they closed the beaches. And I believe it was either on Long Island or New Jersey. Doesn't much matter. I was listening to my local CBS radio station. And they talked about how these kids were stopped by the police because they had climbed the fences that had been erected at a beach because the lifeguards were no longer on duty. And there were big signs that said, no swimming allowed. Come back Memorial Day weekend, you know. But these kids jumped the fence to go swimming and CBS called them illegal swimmers. So I submit to you, folks, if you can be an illegal swimmer, you could certainly be an illegal alien. But this is the way that language is being twisted to obfuscate the truth and the facts. Because the folks that want open borders know full well, know full well, that they can't succeed unless. They can dupe the American people. That's why the First Amendment is so critical. And speaking about the First Amendment, uh, you know, I, I, I believe I've mentioned it on a prior show, but you need to know that this past year uh, or this past month, rather, in September, I had the privilege of being the keynote speaker in a beautiful town way up in the mountains of Colorado, at Grand Lake, Colorado, tom goodfellow arranged the event I, I participated in the parade i wound up being driven through the parade by uh, a new friend a guy by the name of bob balink had a beautiful corvette and um, i was honored i was humbled and you know sitting here as i am right now doing my radio show or sitting here and working on my articles for various websites you have no idea if anyone's really paying attention to you There's no feedback. It's not like standing in front of an audience and you see the crowd. You know, it's me and my computer or me and my phone line um, in a quiet corner of my house doing my thing. And to be driven through the heart of Grand Lake, Colorado, and to see all those great Americans. And by the way, these weren't only conservatives. They were Democrats, independents, every flavor imaginable. Truly a microcosm of America and to experience their warmth um, was humbling. And that answered the question of whether or not people are paying attention. Because um, they made it very clear to me that they were paying attention. We all need to pay attention. Because the issues are that important. But the fact is, here's this little town celebrating for an entire week, the US Constitution, I would love to see this idea that that started with with tom goodfellow and his fellow townsmen and and townswomen i'd love to see this spread across america our constitution guarantees us the freedoms that we've come to take for granted and those freedoms are under attack make no mistake about it so we need to remember really the importance of our constitutional democratic republic And Anybody who would interfere with our freedoms, especially the freedom of speech, we need to be very, very careful. That's a slippery slope. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of Ronald Reagan, but some things he said I really liked. And by the way, that's the beauty of America. We're supposed to disagree when we want to disagree. One size doesn't fit all, and no one has all the right answers, you see. But Reagan said that... Democracy is never more than one generation from extinction. And that's why the Constitution is so damn important. And that's why I would love to see Constitution Week celebrated from coast to coast and border to border. And for the longest time, I have said that maybe on Memorial Day, when we remember the fallen who gave their lives, made the ultimate sacrifice to protect our nation and our citizens. Instead of it being an opportunity for linen sales and barbecues, perhaps that important day on the calendar, the national calendar, should be celebrated by turning it into a national day of debate and discourse. Because freedom of speech is central to all the other freedoms that we enjoy in this great democracy of ours. Something for you to think about. Now, you know, I I mentioned. Um, the way that people come in legally and then get lawful status. The 9/11 Commission was so crystal clear on that. On, on the way that aliens who are able to game the system are then able to get um, to embed themselves in communities around the country. That's something that people seem to be forgetting. That the whole idea for the terrorists was to use false names, false aliases. Get ID that gave them a level of legitimacy to which they were not truthfully or honestly or legitimately entitled. The 9-11 hijackers in the aggregate used 364 false names or variations of false names. Think about that, 364 false names. So now we come to the second OIG, Inspector General, report that was issued last month. Individuals with multiple identities in historical fingerprint enrollment records have received immigration benefits. And they do a breakdown of how many people got to be citizens or, or uh, got green cards or got other immigration benefits, political asylum, asylum um, authorization to work in the United States. And it turns out that when they ran the fingerprints, they had multiple identities. Now, in all fairness, Sometimes, and I encountered this as an agent, sometimes this is done by accident. In Europe and other countries, when you write down a date of birth, if let's say you were born on April 1st, April Fool's Day, is that 4-1 and then the year, let's say, you know, 2000? Um, or is it 1-4, day first and then the month? Well, sometimes we flip it backwards. So you wind up potentially with a different name. Or you wind up potentially with a different name if because the language isn't the English language, translating non-English characters into English can cause confusion. Uh, think of you know, the various alphabets and languages that don't match ours. Um, I'm Jewish, so let's start with Hebrew, okay? Chinese, Japanese, Sanskrit, Arabic there's a bunch of languages that can happen. So suddenly how do you translate it? So there might be some wiggle room there. Maybe someone gets married, gets divorced. The woman continues to use one name and she's known as another, maybe. But what they also found were that hundreds of these people had been ordered deported from the United States. And we went on to naturalize them. And what disturbs me is that, um, you have Citizenship and Immigration Services, the agency that deals with this issue. They do the adjudications. And again, remember, I spent the years in the adjudicator. During the Obama administration, the guy in charge of Citizenship and Immigration Services, a guy by the name of Alejandro Mayorkas, told his people, get to yes. Whatever it takes, approve the application. People lost their jobs over denying applications for immigration benefits. Think about how serious that is. Again, let's go back and look at the findings of the 9-11 Commission. And what they found was that the best embedding tactic, the most effective tactic for the terrorists, the most dangerous for us, were aliens who married Americans and got green cards, political asylum, and even citizenship. The Tsarnaev family got political asylum. They claim what's known as a credible fear. We can't go back to Russia. If we go back to Russia, we're going to face persecution or worse. And and that's the humanitarian side of immigration. And uh, as the grandson of a woman who was killed in Poland because of her religion, I'm very sympathetic to all that. But here's the problem. We've been warned by the CIA, by the FBI, by European intelligence agencies and others that terrorists have been embedding themselves in refugee flows, leaving the Middle East. ISIS is determined to do just that. So you have the Tsarnaev family. Now, I'm not sure where they got the idea, where the brothers got the idea that they were going to go off and do these things. Did it happen here? Did they do it with the intent? Before? Who knows? I can't read into their minds. But the point was they came here on visas. They overstayed the visa. They applied for political asylum. We gave them asylum. And as soon as we did, they apparently hopped on airplanes and voluntarily went back to Russia shouldn't it tell people something that maybe they lied now i could see if there was a regime change in russia you say well it's a new government so the fear is gone well there is no new government in russia mr putin former kgb agent uh, is running the show so why did they go back to russia if they told us that they had a credible fear they could go back to russia well Maybe I'm just cynical and don't trust people because I have too many years in law enforcement. But I would argue that you can make a prima facie case that they had committed immigration fraud. So let's go back to the 9-11 Commission. Immigration fraud was the key entry and embedding tactic of the terrorists. And they weren't just looking at the 19 hijackers, but they looked at a total of 94 terrorists, including the 19 hijackers. But they looked back 10 years before the 9-11 attacks. They looked at the Boston bomb, at the um, sorry, the first World Trade Center bombing. They looked at the shooting at the CIA. They looked at all these attacks, and they said, you know what's common here? Two-thirds of the terrorists committed either visa fraud or immigration benefit fraud. We've known about this for years. I testified at my very first congressional hearing, and it was before the House Immigration Subcommittee, at the invitation of Lamar Smith, who at the time chaired the House Immigration Subcommittee, and Henry Hyde, the late Henry Hyde, who back then was chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. And the topic of that hearing was immigration benefit fraud and visa fraud because of two terror attacks carried out in 93. So we know this is a huge issue. But you have people in place right now with citizenship and immigration services who ascended the ranks under the alleged leadership, and I use that word disparagingly and sarcastically, when I think about Mr. Mayorkas, get to yes, was his motto, um, who think that their job is to rubber stamp everything, rubber stamp it all. And if you look at how many applications are processed by citizenship and immigration services every year, it's, I believe the last count was in excess of 6 million. So again, whether it, you want to think of the guy with the spinning plates or Lucy at the bonbon factory, and those adjudications officers know that they can approve an application in 15 to 20 minutes, but it can take them days or weeks to deny an application. So if they are under the gun to be quote unquote productive and clear up the backlog, and lots of people like that language, oh, we're going to clear up the bank backlog, and everyone's like, thank God, get rid of that backlog. Well, there's only one way to get rid of the backlog, folks. Approve everything that lands on your desk. So now we come back to what I said earlier. The terrorists only got to get it right once. The terrorists have only got to get it right once. The Sarnia family. San Bernardino. Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber. We naturalized him roughly a year before he tried to set off an SUV bomb in Times Square. This is dangerous stuff. Dangerous stuff, and you still have politicians saying, Let's take care of the ones who are here illegally. With what system in place? The system right now is in a state of meltdown. And if suddenly we had to take on 20, 30 million applications to legalize aliens, there are some people still talking about this madness, criticizing Donald Trump because he's not the globalist, he's a populist, he understands the issue. Um, attorney general jeff sessions is brilliant he's i would argue one of the best attorney generals we've ever had Um, I, i know jeff sessions i've met with him he's quoted me from the floor of the senate i i've read the executive orders even if you look at what's been called the travel ban the true title of the travel ban was protecting the nation from foreign terrorist entry into the united states i wish donald trump would stop using the media's terminology travel ban bull go back to the original title and I don't doubt it was crafted by Jeff Sessions, protecting the nation from foreign terrorist entry into the United States. So here we are in the middle of a nightmare, greatly concerned that North Korea would want to have their spies and saboteurs enter the United States to do harm from within. I don't doubt that they're here, by the way. And that's why North Korea would now add to the list along with Venezuela uh, and along with Chad. Um, uh, new executive order that we just issued because this is about terrorism I, I think I mentioned it last week Qayla is where Iran sends lots of their shock troops their huds. they di- fly directly from Iran into Caracas you've got territory camps in the tribal region of Brazil and meanwhile we're finding out we've thousands of aliens whose fingerprints come back and show that they have multiple identities thousands thousands and we also know that, uh, that hundreds of them have gotten immigration benefits, including citizenship and green goods. And, and, and these people now that I'm discussing who have criminal histories, who've been ordered, ordered. Um, so the, the, the issue here is all of these systems need to be addressed immediately. Not next year, not when we get around to it. We're in the middle of a war. We are in the middle of a war. We still don't know what happened in Vegas with that piece of trash. I don't know what I don't even know what kind of language I could use to describe that piece of detritus. We don't know if there is a, a connection elsewhere or not. And by the way, you're going to be hearing from the open borders, folks. See, he wasn't an illegal alien. That's not the issue. You know, we need to go after anyone who poses a threat. I find it remarkable the democrats who are concerned and i want you to remember i'm registered as a democrat and, and and i agree that we've got to have safety measures in place i don't want criminals having guns as an immigration agent um, i took many guns from illegal aliens criminal aliens at one point i think i probably had the best one day drug, gun seizure uh, i arrested an illegal alien from jamaica criminal who'd been involved in a shooting I subsequently arrested him because we deported him. He came back, and we prosecuted him several times. But on a consent search, I took five guns out of his house, including a sawed-off shotgun, three carbines, a handgun, hundreds of rounds of ammo, and the box from another gun that we didn't recover, but the gun had been previously recovered. The box had the serial number of the gun, so we knew this. And that gun had been used to kill a housing cop. And the- Not kill him, sorry, shoot. Thankfully, the cop survived. But a New York City uh, housing police officer was shot by the gun that had been in that box. God knows what this guy's connection was. So I was very happy to get the guns out of the hands of the criminals. But we also want to be careful that we don't prevent law-abiding citizens from being able to own firearms for self-defense and for other lawful purposes. So we're walking a tightrope. And, you know, the the the, the cordite was still in the air, and Hillary Clinton was out there. We got to go after the guns. We got to go after the guns. But why is it that these same members of Congress and Hillary promised this if she was elected, God forbid, we're going to legalize millions of illegal aliens, provide sanctuary to illegals, which include, by the way, gang members, murderers, drug dealers. You know, you're either consistently on the side of public safety or you're not always, always, always look for inconsistencies, look for contradictions, look for hypocrisy. I will never, ever trust a hypocrite, nor should you. Chuck Schumer has insisted that we need a new federal law that makes trespassing on critical infrastructure, trespassing on national landmarks, a federal felony with a five-year penalty in jail. He might be onto something but this is the same chuck schumer that says when you trespass on america well now we should give you citizenship even after the 9-11 commission warned essentially that border security is national security they said border security should be thought of as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal and yet chuck schumer who wants to put a 16 year old kid according to an article on his own website in jail for climbing the world trade center while it was under construction He said, oh, this is dangerous. He'd put that kid in jail for five years, I guess. But if the kid ran the border, then then he would give him U.S. citizenship if he wasn't already an American. Look for the hypocrisy. Look for the inconsistencies. When I was an agent and and I was involved in interrogating potential informants and so forth, the first thing you look for is inconsistencies. And, and contradictory statements inconsistencies and contradictory statements tell you whether or not the person is to be trusted. It's very simple. We do the same thing in our own personal lives. If someone tells you things and you find out they were lying to you, you know, you can't trust them. It's it's just a common sense. Honest law abiding people don't have multiple identities. <clears throat> Honest, law-abiding citizens and people – never be citizens – honest people aren't going to tell you one thing, tell someone somebody else, and twist the story around when they're discovered to have been lying. Lying is a critical issue. Truthfulness is a critical issue. Think of what efforts we go through to get to the truth. There are laws on all jurisdictions, on all levels – that make it a felony to lie to a law enforcement officer, that make it a felony if you sign a document for a benefit that you're not entitled to, whether the benefit is an insurance benefit, there are are penalties, whether it's an application for citizenship or a green card, when you sign your tax return. Whenever there's consequences, if you make a false statement, you can be prosecuted. Uh, There are people who work the polygraph machine, so-called lie detectors. We're we're obsessed with the truth. We need the truth. Even if the Jack Nicholson uh, character in A Few Good Men said you can't handle the truth, we demand the truth. So the first thing that you need to know is whether or not the people that you want to trust are worthy of your trust. Look for inconsistencies. Look for inconsistencies because that's the real tip-off. You know, there's been controversy about waterboarding and all these other, quote-unquote, enhanced interrogation tactics. And what's that about? Trying to get to the truth. And when you look at the politicians who, on the one hand, are jumping up and down about the guns, but on the other hand, say, oh, we need to protect illegal aliens who evaded the inspections process. I think I laid out clearly when you read what the purpose is, is behind all that. Why would you want to allow someone to sneak into the country, to evade that vetting process at a port of entry, and then talk about how that person is now entitled to stay here? How even if the person is involved in criminal activity, we can't dare let immigration know about it. In California, it is so insane that I wrote about this for Front Page Magazine, they've created this gang task force to go after the gangs. Oh, but by the way, that gang task force is forbidden, forbidden. May not ever tell any immigration authorities about any gang members. Why on earth would you not want to deport a murderous gang member, a rapist, a drug dealer, an armed robber? No, no, no. We're going to keep him. We're going to protect him because the mean immigration agents might put him on an airplane and send him home. Really? Why in the world would you not want to protect the members of the ethnic immigrant communities? And this isn't about Latinos. As an immigration agent, I've locked up criminals from the four corners of the planet because, be honest folks, human nature is human nature. We all bleed red. I don't care what your skin color is. Our blood is red. Every ethnic group, every race, every religion, every nationality has the good, the bad, and the ugly. Period. It's human. It's who we are as a species. So this isn't about going after a race, but that's the claim. Oh, the haters. Yes, I am a hater. I hate murderers. I hate child molesters. I hate drug dealers. I hate terrorists. I hate violent gang members. Yeah, I'm a hater. I'm a hater. How about Americans who love innocent people who fall victims to the criminals and to the scum that's out there? How does that narrative somehow never make it into the mainstream media? They don't care about the carnage in the streets as long as their objectives that enrich them are met. People who die along the way, nothing more than collateral damage. Oops, death is inevitable. They just died earlier than they should have. Oh, well, that is who we're talking about. That is the enemy of our country. That is willing to ignore what should be common sense, to keep out the people who would do harm to us, to keep out the workers who would displace Americans who are desperate to support themselves and their families. This is what we're up against. And that's why you see so much in the way of attacks against this administration. And I don't agree with everything Donald Trump says or does. I wish he would use more nuanced language. I kind of cringe when he says some of the things he says. But let's be fair, and let's be honest, and let's be rational. That's what's lacking. Let's understand that our immigration laws aren't about race, religion, or ethnicity. It's about keeping out criminals, and aliens with dangerous diseases, and severe mental illness, spies, and terrorists, and human rights violators, people who could do harm to us, and are here to do harm to us. And I look at these reports, and I look at these failures, and by the way, aliens, the top 10 countries of aliens who were naturalized with multiple identities, by the way, here, here's the in, in, in descending order, starting with the with the greatest number. And that was India. Then comes Bangladesh. Then comes China and Ghana and Pakistan and Haiti. And then we get to Mexico and then Nigeria. I'm sorry. And then El Salvador, Nigeria and Guatemala. So Mexico is way down the list. This isn't about Mexicans, folks. This isn't about Latinos. And if you look at Bangladesh, potential for terrorism. India, India is an ally, but they do have a problem. There are problems all over the place. We're simply looking out for ourselves. And if you dare do that in this crazy era, you're likely to be branded a xenophobe, a hater, a racist, God knows, We need to push back. We need to stand our ground. And I'm not talking about firearms. Now I'm talking about debate. I'm talking about discourse. And nobody should be sending a child to a school that shuts down debate. My degree was in communications, arts, and sciences. My plan, had I not become a federal agent, was to either become a journalist or a speech teacher and teach debate on the college level. I wrote an article some time ago for the social contract. I called it The Art of the Question, the questions we must ask our politicians about immigration. Questions are essential. Voltaire very wisely noted that you judge a man's intelligence not by his answers, but more often by his questions. And today, our opponents, the opponents of democracy, the opponents of national security are attempting to shut down the questioning process, attempting to shut down free speech. They are a threat to the survival of the lives of our citizens and the form of government that we as Americans enjoy and have come to take for granted. Maybe we need to understand that we should never take anything for granted. Thank you for joining me, folks. Please go to my website, michaelcutler.net, and please remember, Democracy is not a spectator sport. The politicians who supposedly represent you need to hear from you, and they need to find out in no uncertain terms that we're not as foolish as they hope that we are. See you again next week, right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long for now.